Hi guys, today I'm joined by Ryan from Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips. And we're going to discuss Black Friday all the way through Cyber Monday, what they're calling Cyber Week or Cyber 5. And stay tuned. Welcome to the Reseller Niche Podcast. A show for e-commerce buyers and sellers where we investigate unique items being bought and sold and show you how research equals knowledge equals profit. Howdy folks, welcome back to another episode of the Reselling Each Podcast. I'm here with Ryan, again, from Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips. How's it going, Ryan? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love the cheesy intro there, but I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, before I forget, I'm really good at that. Please let everybody know about your podcast and your YouTube channel. Yeah, so the podcast is Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips, a reselling podcast. Um, you can get it pretty much anywhere you would listen to podcasts, and uh, Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips is the YouTube channel. Um, they essentially have the same content, just with or without video. So, <laughs> Excellent. I just, if anyone is interested, I put a link if they'd like to jump onto the chat or on camera and I apologize. I'm already having a couple of delays in the. If there's a lag that you hear in the sound there, that's probably my internet. So it's funny. I had a conversation with Comcast two days ago about that, and they swear I have the speed test worked out well. Ironically, the day before I spoke to them, but uh, right. I still feel like there's a. I mean, I've seen it on air so many times, three times at least in the last two weeks. So that's right. okay. We'll keep going, but. Today, our topic is, uh, I guess, I'm not sure what we're calling it now, Cyber Week, Cyber 5, Cyber, this whole Cyber couple right. of weeks. And, it used uh, to just be Black Friday. That was kind of yeah. it. And now it's this whole big drama. <laughs> it is. I mean, I enjoyed the old drama, if people remember that, with you know Walmart handing out 100 you know, big screen TVs and people lining up. Not that I ever did that, but I like, enjoyed watching the the news after the fact. Right. Uh, I'm you know, I'm old enough, and I I was in retail back prior to when this became like the huge thing that it became. You know, Black Friday was kind of insider baseball. It was a a term that the stores used because that was the day they finally started making money for the year. And it was, you know, yeah. it was a big deal, but it wasn't like it's become over the years. And I can remember, I could see this whole thing coming, <laughs> you know, that it was every year we were opening a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier. And I was telling people, man, if we're not careful, we're going to be opening on Thanksgiving. And sure enough, yeah. that's where it ended up. Yeah. Even before, I mean, uh, I can remember stores opening and kind of planning to be open for black friday just for the foot traffic um, oh yeah i mean uh, i must have been crazy for you being in, in retail because i was more not really in i guess i was in retail retail shipping but not really uh retail retail like of items uh with us it was mainly storage of items um people would that would be Actually, that's around the time the early birds would start giving us packages to hold. We were kind of like a storage facility in a sense. Yeah. And I'm talking about early 2000s here. Right. Um, and then we would hold these items till probably the first, second week of December, and then they would get shipped off either UPS, FedEx ground, or priority mail, whatever it might be. But for you, it must have been, you got the brunt of it. I mean, oh, yeah. No, I can't tell you. I, I, I... 30 years of retail and essentially all my Thanksgivings ruined worrying about what that next day was going to be like. So when I finally stopped doing it, that, that first Thanksgiving, when I didn't have to worry about the day after was just heavenly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, uh, what, if you could, what type of store was this again? Or is it, um, I worked at all different kinds okay. of stores over the years. I worked for, um, what is now Macy's for a long time. I worked for a couple smaller, like regional retailers. Mm. I worked, um, I did a holiday season with the old Montgomery ward. I don't know if you remember them oh, yeah. way back. Um, I was a sales manager and a GM for Best Buy for 
gosh, three, I think three Black Fridays. So um, yeah, a lot of different stuff. And then I had my own store, which as a small, like independent retailer, Black Friday was not quite the urgency because like you said, I wasn't giving away big screens for a hundred bucks. I just had CDs and records. So that yeah. day was not that big a deal there, but yeah, Best Buy, I mean, they're lined up around the building and you're breaking up fights and it was just, <laughs> it was a different experience. I, I mean, it feels to me, it feels like just yesterday that I was, I used to line up, uh, especially my, myself, my cousins, my brothers, uh, and we would line up sometime at, I don't know when it changed over to when they were actually open on Thanksgiving, but I remember it more being the day, you know, on Black Friday. You, you right. line up at midnight before or like. Yeah, it was somewhere in the, you know, as early, the, you know uh, in the aughts there, as it were, you know, 2000 to 2010 is when that kind of shifted because I can remember yeah. I going to my parents on Thanksgiving, I would drive by a Best Buy on the way to their house. Yeah. And I can remember, you know, every year the line got longer and longer and longer. And then all of a sudden they were going to be open on Thanksgiving and you drove by and there was no line because they were just there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but it was somewhere in that, you know, 2000 to 2010 range where, you know, once yeah. Yeah, one yeah. store I, I did it. I remember that too. I remember that because was um, I, I remember it because we had this complex where I lived uh, or in Fremont. Um, this is the late 90s where they had a Walmart very close to a Best Buy, very close to, I think maybe even a Target. So people would go to those three and they'd have people stationed each one depending right. on whatever the big gift of Black Friday was. Yep. And my aunts were really into this. They would literally drag us out there and one of us would be over at Walmart, one of them would be over at Best Buy. And yeah, and I, I, I remember there was a time actually there was like a, somebody broke one of the windows on front of one of the Walmarts just because there was kind of a mini stamping. Not, nobody got hurt, but they broke. It was enough to break a window. Yeah. Which was pretty scary. So, yeah. I don't Some of those crowds got more and more out of control as the years went on. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons they were trying to expand the hours was to cut down on that crush of people coming in all at once. And I mean, it was bad for customers. It was bad for associates in the stores. It was just a, a bad situation all the way around. Yeah. And I always wondered like what, I mean, I, I, I doubt they were giving out many, you know, big screen TVs or whatever it was, but to offset the cost, if they, um, if they really made anything on, um, from what they were giving away. Those are kind of like lost leaders, I'm guessing, just to um, sell whatever their goods are on that day. Yeah, I think a lot of it was lost leader. And I know there were some, you know, companies like Best Buy and Circuit City back in the day that were big enough that they could actually have a specific piece manufactured for them. So it would be, you know, whatever, a 50 inch TV, but it might only have one input or something, you know, it was kind of decontented yeah. so that they could offer it super cheap and not lose their shirt on it. So there was a lot of that as well, but yeah, most of that stuff was, and that's why like with the doorbusters, they're generally limited quantity. They want people in the store, but they're only willing to lose so much money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine. And then uh, it was, yeah, I remember that's funny. You bring up circuit city. That was one of the ones that was big too. That yep. big, I think it was like a maroon looking store. Mm -hmm. uh, I used to go there all the time. I think the last thing I ever bought from there was a mini fridge. And oh, just oh, we got Russ in the chat here. Just wanted to stop in. Black Friday was training for toilet paper fights. Yeah, there you go. I'm only going to the grocery about once a month right now, anyway. Yeah. And the last time I was there was about a month ago, and there was no toilet paper, there were no paper towels, and that was before things really started to get bad here recently. So I don't even want to know what it's going to look like when I go next week. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking because I'm not in like uh, the you know San Francisco Bay Area anymore. But I'm talking to my family, and they are there, and it's it was like that from basically the day they announced that that they were kind of going back to that. Yeah. And uh, toilet paper, all the you know household goods, uh, right? Goods. So um, it's funny. I wonder if that's uh, sh those should have been the Black Friday gifts they were giving away. You know, hand sanitizer and toilet paper that could right. have got a hundred bucks. I got an email today um, or a text. I can't remember what it was, but. Um, Big Lots is giving away hand sanitizer. If you visit one of their stores, I don't know if it was this weekend or I, I didn't read the whole thing. They're giving it away. You know, 
well, it was eight months ago. People were selling hand sanitizer for $10,000 a bottle or whatever, whatever that craziness was. And now they're just giving it away. It's, it's, I mean, I can't understand. I mean, I, I just remember the guy that got busted like six months ago for going store to door. I think he went to all the Home Depots and he cleared them out or whatever it was. It's just unimaginable right. that people were talking about hand sanitizer and toilet paper still, even though it happened six months ago. Yep. But I mean, I guess it is what it is. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of new uh, hand sanitizer commercials on TV. I saw one today too. And they're talking about how they've invested in this, that, and the other. I think it was Purell. So that's, I mean, the, the minimums on that can't be that great. I mean, I'm assuming because I mean, what was, I can't even remember the price of a hand sanitizer bottle before yeah. COVID came out. I mean, two bucks, five bucks. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. I, I would assume it was fairly inexpensive because it was everywhere. I mean, you just didn't really think about it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the last, the first and only time I ever bought uh, wipes, I think, uh, sanitizer wipes. I think it was March or April. And I saw an eBay listing. And it was a, a, an auction that ended at four, close to $400. And they were dollar store wipes. Right. Like yeah. It was some generic, you know, dollar general, dollar store, whatever they were. Yep. So, I'm hoping that's not going to happen again. I mean, it right. looks like the cyber sales from this year, I mean, from the last week or so, are not just for hand sanitizer, though, I'm assuming. Uh, because I'm looking at it, and I was trying to, we were talking about this earlier, we're trying to figure out, um, are they saying these, this is a great cyber week, cyber Monday, cyber Black Friday weekend, or was it, you know, more subdued than they thought. I, I'm kind of getting mixed signals. I mean, I'm I'm thinking yeah. that it was. Uh, uh, I mean, sales wise, really good. Um, it's like you were saying, eBay was put out a report saying they had great sales. Yeah, um, they they were talking about the the five day Thursday through Monday yeah. was record setting for them. Um, Amazon obviously was talking about, you know, they had huge, huge business. I saw a report somewhere and I don't know if I have it in my list for my podcast this weekend about the percentages that online was up and the percentages that offline you know, actual retail stores were down. Yeah. I know I went Saturday night. I, uh, I had a return for Amazon that I had to take to a Kohl's and I was like, oh my God, I really don't want to go to a Kohl's yeah. this weekend. But I wanted to get this thing back to Amazon so I could get my money. So I went, it was like eight o'clock at night, which I was assuming it would be a little bit slower, but I got there and it was a morgue. There was nobody there. I pulled right up to the front door, walked in, walked back to the girder of the thing. I'm like, has it been like this all day? Because I used to work in retail and this is nuts. And she says, yeah, it's been dead all day. So... I feel like maybe the retail stores, they had a little bit of a bump on that Friday, but I don't know that their weekend was all that great. I, I, I'm with you. Actually, I did. I also went to Kohl's was it two days ago, I think it was. And they had some kind of deal that was ending like 20% off something. So we went there to get socks, ironically. And it, yeah, it was, there were maybe 20 people there, you know, relatively large location. Yeah. There were no lines at the checkouts. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, they had enough people to where there are extra people standing by the carts to hand one to you. So it tells you that, you know, yeah. it's not a busy store. And usually you can tell like the day after a holiday, like there's been a stampede, there's clothes all over the ground. Right. It was relatively clean. I mean, everything was picked up and neat and orderly. Um, because we, I mean, my family, we'd always go to the mall, uh, I guess this whole weekend usually and we go to like Macy's would be a big one we would go to. And usually when you go into a Macy's, it's just shot crazy. Like right. Destroyed. Um, I didn't go to Macy's this time, but I'm assuming, like you said, it was similar. It wasn't as bad. Yeah. I mean, um, I think I had a number here on the actual sales here, 10.8 billion cyber Monday. Is there, well, it's still the biggest U S e-commerce day ever. Yeah. And like I said, I assumed e-commerce was going to be, I think everybody has kind of assumed e-commerce was going to be fantastic this yeah. holiday season. It's the traditional retail that I think people are a little more worried about. Now, I yeah. saw that um, Best Buy and I assume Walmart too, because they've both really taken great pains to increase their online capacity. 
Yeah. And I, I'm pretty sure I saw that both of them had pretty good results over the weekend online. So that'll help offset some of the damage maybe that they suffered in the stores. But some of your, you know, like JC Penny and, you know, some of these places that are already in big, big trouble. I mean, this could really be a problem. I think so too. Because it, it's funny you mentioned Kohl's because I, I, I heard that last year when they did this, they had this Amazon promotion. Basically, they, they take all their returns that they took a big hit when they did that. And then they seem to be doing it again this year. So I'm thinking that, I mean, stores like, like, like you said, JCPenney, Kohl's, I, I think they're going to go under, or if not, I don't know. They seem to file for Chapter 11 and then come back. So I don't know how right. they keep doing that, like restructuring this or that. So I'm, I'm guessing that, let me see here. According to oh, Derek, Fundamentals of Side Hustling has been flat in retail stores. They better start adjusting. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Um, it's yeah, it's not good. Um, I, I, I'm just wondering if they're going to kind of condense and you're going to see some buyouts possibly or just um, going bankrupt in general, because yeah. I guess Amazon can't buy everybody. So, um, right. Well, and I've said for years that this country is grossly over retailed. I mean, you don't wow. need five, six, seven Macy's or Best Buy's in a city the size of Cincinnati, for instance. When I was a GM for Best Buy back in the 90s, they had three stores in Cincinnati. Now there's like 11. <laughs> and, you know, the population of the area hasn't really grown that much. It's moved around a little bit. You know, yeah. people have migrated from one area to another, but it's still essentially the same size. And you've got all these extra storefronts. It just seems unnecessary. But it is. And actually, I was reading an article way before COVID about this, probably maybe two years. And they were talking about retail space in general. They were comparing the U.S. to, I think, the U.K., Germany, uh, a few other places. And they said the percentage, they did it per capita. Obviously, we have a lot more population than Germany and the U.K. But they said per capita, we have, I think, eight times the amount of storage or retail space that, you know, the U.K. and uh, Germany and places like that. And they're actually, they were in decline. They were decreasing. Because of after, I guess, everything in 08, 09. But the US was still kind of clinging on to that. And this is pre COVID, obviously, um, all that real estate. So yeah. I think, like we were talking about before, um, all of this real, it's either going to get bulldozed or it's going to just, you're going to see a lot of empty, um, you know, for lease signs come in January, February, something like that. Right. So, well, you already, I mean, malls have been dying on the vine for the last probably decade and you know you've seen anchor stores leave malls and go to these you know open freestanding areas and try to do that but you've got all these you know gigantic malls that have nothing in them anymore and that's all that real estate is just going to waste oh yeah yeah i mean and i i was um i think it was amazon they you know probably expanded as much as they can us wise i mean they still buy huge you know properties you know if they bought whole foods and everything but um i think one of the shopping malls i forget the one that also owns sears was talking to them about taking over these lots but not as any kind of retail location but more of just an extra fulfillment so you're gonna have shopping malls with a bunch of trucks driving in and out just you know their warehouses basically at this point Right. I think they were talking to Simon Property Group. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think that's what yep. it was. So, I mean, and they're one of, I don't know if they're the biggest, but one of the biggest uh, um, shopping mall companies in the country. Yep. So, I don't know. That that could be interesting. Let's see. From, uh, Walmart has the platform to do it. They already have the people, let people privately sell on their sites. Yeah, they do. I, I, I actually heard, uh, I read an article about how they're trying to open up bookstores. I don't know if that's can actually happen just or if that was just a one-off that they did in seattle um but i mean i guess that makes sense they originally started as a book company um but, you mean amazon um, yes amazon yeah. like um i mean I, I i doubt it would be like an you know an old borders or um, barnes and nobles type thing but uh, well there's a certain there's a place, I think, in communities for stores like that. Like when I had my little CD and record store, it was more of a community hangout than yeah. necessarily a retail store. And people go to places like that, record stores, bookstores, yeah. to 
you know, there's a certain atmosphere in those places that people enjoy. And the trick, of course, is to convert them into money, which is why you saw, you know, bookstores putting in coffee shops and cafes and all other kinds of stuff to try to generate. You know, if you're going to come in here and hang out and treat it like a library, at least, you know, buy a five dollar coffee or something. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's I mean, I mean, if anyone remembers the 90s, I mean, that's what the sitcom Friends is based on a coffee shop. And they, but then you got Borders and Barnes and Nobles that kind of took that to another level. Right. So, I mean. It, I, to be honest, I enjoyed those types of places, but I could completely see how they, you know, lost their shirts once online sales took off. Yeah, um, giant behemoths of stores. Um, but I mean, that would be fun to see. I, I have a hard time seeing other than a, maybe a handful of those. If they ever do come out, they'll be in like New York, LA, maybe Seattle because that's their home base. Yeah, but other than and they'll that, be kind of specialty you know, niche destinations, people want to go visit more yeah. than like the traditional, you know, 100,000 square foot Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the Barnes and Noble, but yeah, I could see why they lost money. But uh, I mean, actually, I think with retail, what might happen, what, I, what I've seen in places, you know, if you go to like Tokyo or Hong Kong, places like that, they have these giant behemoth stores, but they're broken up into several, there's several hundred stores within that. Right. I mean, obviously, you're talking about like bigger, more populated cities. Obviously, you got that foot traffic, but um, yeah, I, I I think they're just to be honest, they're going to have to bulldoze a lot of these places because I used to do a lot of uh, when I ran a shipping store, we used to basically go into these companies that had gone belly up, and they had basically they were just selling off everything, at, you know, ten cents on the dollar. They couldn't stay open, they couldn't sell, they couldn't rent their location, anything. They were right. just, yeah, and there was nothing left. So, um, and most of them are just still sitting there empty right now. Um, I think. Yeah, you can drive through virtually any town in America, probably, and find dozens, if not hundreds, of vacant storefronts. I mean, it's yeah. the the retail apocalypse has been building up for a while. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And then I think part of it, in at least in California, the I don't know if it's good or bad, but what they would do is they would take these locations. For example, there was a Mervins they put in in 2008. And I kept thinking, isn't the, you know, the economy, you know, in total disrepair right now? And, you're, and they built a brand new Mervins within nine months, they bulldozed it and they built condominiums. I, I couldn't imagine being the person that oversaw right. that. Like, I yep. mean, <laughs> it was, we, I remember we actually bought a, uh, some kind of like this rolling cabinet thing for a dollar. It was yeah. like this full, it's like six foot wide. And yeah. And that store was maybe open a year, including pre-opening right. and like the, all that soft opening and everything. So uh, it's a potentially great time to be a reseller. Cause when all these stores go under, they're going to have to do something with all, you know, the merchandise and the fixtures. And, yeah. you know, I've, I've talked about, I'm kind of, I'm at that place where I'm essentially out of room here at the house. So yeah. if I want to continue to grow, I really need to look at either a vacant storefront or some kind of warehouse space and I'm going to need fixtures. And so, I mean, it's, there's opportunity out there for folks like us. Um, oh yeah, definitely. And I think to be honest, folks like us are probably the future. I mean, not everyone, like I said, you know, nobody's going to shout out for a 20,000 square foot, hundred thousand square foot location. They're going to have smaller 1000, 2000 square foot, multiple you know businesses in one location like uh one of those businesses that i went to when we were clearing out they were able to rent out but what they did was they subdivided it was i don't right. know 50,000 60,000 square foot but they had um at least 10 different uh roll up doors and docks so they had each of those was a separate location and i even asked about yep. the pricing it was very it was like three four hundred bucks a month you get like 500 square feet you get access to a dock Right. All this stuff that there's no way you can normally get, but you know, they had, I think 20 clients in the space where they had one before. Right. So, Sign uh, me up. Yeah. <laughs> I, if it wasn't far from me, it was in the Hills of Fremont somewhere up and it wasn't actually that close to anything, but I mean, it was three, I mean, it was 350 bucks and I thought that was awesome. And it was clean too. I don't right. know if you've ever gone warehouse shopping. I used to do a lot of, um, we we moved our store about three times. So I went from we had a retail location, 
uh, just on the main street, the second one, then we had a half office, half warehouse, and then we had a full office and then a full warehouse. And all of those negotiations were terrible, horrible, horrible negotiations, dealing with like Cornish and Kerry and all these guys. Um, yeah, they asked for the moon. I'm wondering now if that conversation is going to go a little bit differently. Um, you would assume? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping so, because I remember the very first time um, we were trying to open up the shipping store, we had zero history, you know, day one. And we talked to, they, they called it like the Fremont Hub. It was basically, they had like a Target. They had like, you know, it was like an open air mall area. And the guy said, well, we need 10 years of experience. And I said, this is day, we haven't even gone to day one yet. We are planning to open in three months, you know? And he said, well, I need 10 years of you know business experience. I'm like, you know, where I actually own the store or 10 years of work experience? No, no, I need 10 years of, you know, that shows me on paper that you, you know, run a store with it. So uh, that was it. That was a conversation that lasted about 30 seconds. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that's not the same thing. But yeah, I, mean, I, would, in, I would think they would be incredibly flexible looking for whoever, vendors, dealers, stores, people that want to use it for warehouse space, because you've got all this vacant real estate yeah. that is you're not making any money off of. So if you can get you know, a buck a square foot instead of the seven you were getting, it's better than sitting there with nothing. I mean, I, I can't imagine that they're not going to get super flexible, but. Oh yeah. And then like even the shopping malls around us, they've had issues where they have these giant signs. Like we had a giant sign that said new, you know, Cinna something other uh, movie theater coming out. You know, I think this was like 2004 that last, no, 2008, it didn't come out at all. And then after two years, they just took down the sign. So uh, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I don't understand how the commercial real estate works, because usually when you deal with like a, if you're buying a house, people, the realtors seem to be knocking down your door. It seems to be the opposite. My experience dealing with commercial real estate, they were kind of like, wouldn't pick up the phone or maybe it was just the people I was doing. I don't know, but yeah. uh, it was interesting. So are, are you, you're looking to get into a, like a, a warehouse space or? Uh, Potentially office slash warehouse space. Um, I've, I've literally filled virtually every room in the house with stuff. My garage yeah. is full and there comes a point where it's just not sustainable. It's just me and Josie, the cat, as I joke about fre frequently on my YouTube channel. Um, yeah. but at some point, even I don't like walking through the dining room full of books. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right though. I think might now might be a good time for that, especially in January. I'm assuming a lot of people move in, move out early months of the year. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to hold off at least long enough to see if I happen to get that eBay Hello Alice $10,000 grant. Oh, I heard of that money for that. If but you, if you could explain what that was again because you you talked about that a little bit on your uh, your channel. Yeah, the, they've partnered up um essentially to give 50 $10,000 grants. It's $8,000 in cash and $2,000 in eBay credits to small businesses that are selling on eBay to try to help them kind of weather the storm through the COVID-19. It sounds like they're really looking more for kind of traditional brick and mortar stores that have through lockdowns and closures fallen on a little hard time and given them the money to transition from that into an eBay business, which isn't really the case I'm in, but I applied anyway. <laughs> uh, you but you can go to the uh, Hello Alice, I think it's .com, or there's an eBay link. I can't remember exactly what it is. I've got it. If you go to my channel <laughs> and look at last week's podcast, I talk about it and I've got all the links up there. So shameless plug. I'm gonna pull up, let me see. Let me get your channel link and I'll put that up here really fast just in case anyone is looking for that. Because, I mean, I think it's a good thing. Let me see. Was it in your latest? Yeah, it was on the... Uh... And now for a short break. The Sunday Reseller Talk podcast. Okay, so it'll be five days ago. But yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, that eBay, number one, is partnering with someone else. To, uh, the Hello Alice group looks to be like a kind of a small business incubator slash support network 
Um, they've got all kinds of resources and networking that you can do. So, I mean, it's, it's more than just the money. It's about the community and, you know, helping small businesses grow and succeed. So that's a, you know, I give them props for, you know, trying to support their sellers in that way. Let's see here. No, I mean, this is essentially what, you know, SBA loans, if you've ever heard of those, mm -hmm. uh, they kind of went in that same direction there. And there we go. Okay. Yeah, that's essentially what they did there. Um, before, I remember we used to take these interviews when we were for, first looking to get into a business. You take these SBA loan interviews and they ask you, okay, why do you want to get, why do you want to be in business? What is this? What is that? Uh, how much money are you looking for? What's your business plan? And they go through your right. business plan, which I think is very pragmatic. It's a good way to do it. Um, yep. And that was one of the nice things I talked about in, in the podcast was that there yeah. is not, at least at this point, a real in-depth interview process for this mm -hmm. grant. I mean, it's, there might've been a dozen questions or so. And I think you could only use like 150 characters in your answer. So it was like little oh, wow. tweets, essentially, you know, what are you going to do if you win this money and you've got this little bitty window to type it in. And so uh, they're not looking for big in-depth business plans. So, you know, an average reseller kind of working out of their home can go in and apply and feel like they got I hate to put it this way, but kind of like a drawing as opposed to them, you know, going through each of the individual. True. I don't know what the, what the criteria they're going to use to, to make that judgment. Um, like I said, I would assume they're probably looking for people that are transitioning into eBay as opposed to people that have been here for a while, but yeah. it took 20 minutes to fill out the application. So I, I don't feel like I was out that much. <laughs> I mean, for 20 minutes, that's, that's a great ROI. I mean, if you can get it. I right. Mean, <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, if, I mean, if that's the case, I mean, it would be interesting to see if there's more companies that do this after, you know, because to be honest, there's a lot of people that are hurting, especially small businesses that are not even allowed to be open at this point, a lot of them. Um, so um, that would be interesting. I mean, it makes sense though. I mean, if eBay, I mean, we we all experienced the 50,000 listings that they gave to us, which was huge. I never would have thought that would have happened. But they, I mean, I think that's, they're probably looking at that and maybe thinking, you know, there's other ways to stimulate business. Why not? Right. Because the more growth that we all have individually, the more growth that they have collectively. And I mean, exactly. they're in it to make money. And that, I think they saw that when they did you know, during the early stages of the pandemic and they gave everybody all those listings and mm -hmm. people just went crazy listing all kinds of stuff and sales, of course, just went through the roof. And I'm sure the light bulb came on somewhere and they're like, hey, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. if we don't restrict these people listing, they'll actually list and sell more stuff and we'll, we'll make more money. This looks like a really good idea. I mean, I, I think personally, I think I doubled my listings. I went from at that point, I went from maybe 14, 1500 to close to 3000. And then right. dropped down since then. Um, I mean, part of it's silly. I mean, I obviously I, I didn't list as much as when I had those free listings. But part of it is I don't list in all of those categories. Which I, thinking back now, I mean, that's that shouldn't be a deterrence at all. Um, yeah. You should, you know, if you can make money, you should list. It's not going to, you know, the extra whatever it is, ten cents is not shouldn't be a deterrence. Right. I should say. Uh, yours because yours are basically your, most of your inventory is collectible books and CDs, so that all falls into that. Um, yes, yep. So um, I've got 6,600 listings up right now, nice. and almost all of them are in that 50,000 freebies we get every month. So, yeah, it's for somebody like me who's a media seller, it's that's been fantastic. That's awesome. I mean, uh, I, I do a lot of collectibles, but they are not, most of those are toys and games. Right. So they don't fall. I, I found a few that fell into that, but uh, basically I would say uh, maybe 10% of my inventory falls into that. Yeah. I don't do very many books at all. Um, do you have cool. a, do you pay for a store subscription? I do. I have yeah. the, I don't know if it's the middle one anymore, but the premium. The premium. Yeah. I guess it's the second level one. Um, I'm not anywhere close to when I got up to that 3000, I let it drop considerably. I'm probably around 2000 ish. Yeah. 
and doing the math on the with the free listings that I have, I would probably have to get close to like 3,500 to make it worthwhile for a store. Uh, you can, I think you can look it up as a store calculator. It works out right. perfectly. Yeah. Cause I was right. Uh, Cause I knew that hundred thousand was going away and I was on the verge of, man, do I have to upgrade from, yeah. I think it's premium, which is like the 60 bucks a month or whatever yeah. to anchor, which is a, a pretty big jump in terms of what they charge you a month. Oh, yeah. But I was right on the fringe of where the math was probably going to make sense. And then they came and they said 50,000 free listings in these categories. And I was like, now I can, I realistically, I could probably step down. <laughs> yeah. So you don't actually have to have a store to have the 50,000. It was for, I mean, or I'm not sure if you, do you have to have a store to have the 50,000? I think you have to have a store. Um, but like the premium store, you, you're paying essentially for the thousand yeah. traditional listings and the basic store, you're only getting whatever it is. I know they changed it, but it's significantly less and I have less stuff in those categories. So I could theoretically get away with stepping down probably to a basic, but I'm just going to let it roll. Yeah. I mean, for me, to be honest, I should push myself and just kind of force the issue. If I get up another 15, which I know I can do because I've done it before, uh, I've never been up to 3,500. That would be a push right now. But um, I think in springtime when sales are not going to be flying, you know, like they are now, I can probably do it. Um, I mean, it, I yeah, during the this holiday period, it's really, you know, on average, I was probably increasing my listings 120 to 150 a week pretty consistently through the summer and fall and now it's in the last month net i'm only up about 100 because i'm selling so much stuff that even doing 30 or 40 listings every day six seven days a week i can barely hold water (laughs) yeah so which is a good problem to have i'll take it but yeah no i mean uh, i don't even do that many listings i probably do about half as many listings as you do uh, I average probably 22 to 25. I, I always say, you know, I'm going to try and get to 30. And I don't do that every single day. So I probably average closer to 20 listings a day. So um, I'm getting up there, though. I used to do five a day. Uh, that was when I split time between eBay, Amazon, and I tried Poshmark very briefly, which yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of Poshmark. I, I know there's a lot of Poshmark sellers out there. but uh, Yeah. Poshmark, it looks like a lot of like sharing and the social environment. There's a lot more kind of behind the scenes there than with eBay where you just throw your listings on there and hope the algorithm (laughs) works in your favor. Um, I'm not sure. There's obviously some sellers doing really, really well on Poshmark, but I don't think that would be for me. I mean, and it's more geared towards clothing and one thing. Oh, yeah. Also, you're 100% right. The sharing is what killed me because you have to share your closet. Not that my closet was very big. It never got big. But I mean, I, I listened to these people that said they have, you know, thousands of items on there and how they got to the point where they didn't want to do it because it's so time consuming. Sure. And then you like, there's people that are paying people to literally share their, I mean, no, I mean, this is now kind of defeating the purpose of cross-listing in my, in my opinion. Um, I mean, for me personally, Macari was a better location to go to. Yeah. Um, and back then they didn't have any fees also. So that was nice. Um, Did you, speaking of Mercari mm-hmm. and for that matter, Poshmark, I haven't seen anything about either of them for the Black Friday, Cyber Monday kind of weekend. Did they report? Did they I, have any great business? Uh, I know Etsy was, uh, I think, were you, were you the one talking about Etsy and they kind of, uh, I just saw some articles today, um, that Etsy had a great weekend, but I haven't, I, in all the, I read a ton of news and I didn't find anything about Mercari or Poshmark really kind of bragging about what kind of holiday weekend they had. Yeah. I don't see, all I see when I'm looking at Mercari right now, it's just a bunch of ads. I don't see anything talking about how well they did. Um, Let's see. Poshmark. I know Mercari was really, I mean, they were blowing up my phone with messages trying to get people to list stuff. So they were, you know, at least making the effort heading into the holiday to get their inventory level up so they could have a successful time. But I just, I don't know if they did. 
Yeah, I can't find one. I'm sure there are articles about Poshmark and Macari and how well they did. Um, let me see here. Oh, hey, Cali Reseller Luis, how's it going? Um, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if Macari did well. I don't see, I don't follow Poshmark news as much, so I would assume they didn't do as well as they thought they would. But again, everyone's doing better than they did, you know, previous months sure. because it's side of a week. So it's kind of how they write the article in a sense. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, you know, the creative marketing or creative accounting, however you want to put it. Um, I know I, I just, for giggles, pulled up my numbers for just the first, whatever it is, three or four days here from my business. Uh, the, the holiday weekend really was no great shakes for me, but starting on late Monday through today, business has just been unreal. Yeah. And I looked and compared to last year, which is a little unfair because I'd really only been doing this for about four months, but I'm up like 250% for like the last four or five days versus that same time period last year. So knock wood, I hope that continues for the rest of the month. But um, like I said, for, for me, the weekend was just, it was a, another day at the office. It was not that great. It's, I mean, but also you do, you mentioned on your show too, most of the items you sell are kind of like, not necessarily you know, brand new toys or brand, you know, right. Christmas type items necessarily. I mean, they could be, but I mean, um, so I yeah, mean, and I, I kind of talked about that going into the weekend that I didn't yeah. really expect it to be all that great. Um, and then I figured, you know, with the older kind of antique books and collections of books that maybe as we got into that, you know, interim mm -hmm. period in the, in the next couple of weeks, it would be good. And that has so far at least turned out to be the case. Yeah, I mean, my inventory, I would say, is maybe 20%, 15, 20% of it is, you would maybe say Christmas items, you know, uh, some new items. Majority of my items are vintage. Like, most of my toys are vintage toys. Most of my clothing is used clothing. And right. so uh, it's not, I mean, it's kind of a toss-up. Some people might think that's a great gift, but you would have to be looking for it. Um, so I highly doubt that, uh, let's see here. Oh, let's see. Macari has been booming with sales and so has offer up. That's what yeah. Louise was saying. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have that much listed on Mercari, so I'm not probably a fair test case, but I haven't had really any traction there. I actually, believe it or not, have sold quite a bit of stuff on Bonanza, <laughs> which I mean, that makes sense because it's, it's, I mean, eBay, I mean, it's the easiest way to, oh yeah. Any, anybody who is not on Bonanza, who has an eBay store is out of their mind. It takes 10 minutes to set up. It's free. It pretty much auto syncs. If you get two extra sales a month, why? I mean, why wouldn't you? Uh, it's, it's, it's no, it's not great money, but it's just extra. So, no, I, I totally agree. Bonanza is something as long as you you check in, say you know once every couple of days, uh, because you've got a couple of day buffer period. Because I don't, I'm like you, I don't sell that much on it, but I do sell on it consistently. Yeah. Every month I have have sales. Yep. Um, maybe this month it might be every week actually. So, um, yeah. See, Cal. Kelly re, uh, reseller Luis's Bonanza is another yeah. great platform. I, it's, I agree. It, the worst name they could have picked for it. I mean, if you do a Google search and you just put in Bonanza, you get, you know, the old TV show and That's just all fun. kinds of the old restaurant, all kinds of random crap pops up and yeah. they're way down, you know, below the fold. It's really hard to find. It's amazing. They do as much business as they do, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been all right for me. I have no complaints. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's funny because I I nearly missed a sale there actually because I didn't check my Bonanza for like a week and then it was the day that I had to ship a, just a random shirt. So that was a nice surprise though. I mean, yeah. uh, I, so now I, I have it set every three days. I basically check my Bonanza and that's it. Yeah, I've got, I downloaded their mobile app and I get a notification from that when I get a sale. So, you know, couple times a month, I get this random bing and I look and <laughs> it's Bonanza and I'm like, all right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, uh, I used to, to be honest, I used to, I was trying to push Etsy for a while. I mean, year, I want to say three to four years ago, um, because everyone says, you know, it's great for vintage items. You can sell 
pretty much everything you can on eBay, you can sell on Etsy, especially if it's older, you know, right. 20 years. Not a lot of my stuff is. What I found is that the, when the sales come on Etsy, they're great. You get more money. They're better sales. But you just don't have the traffic you do on eBay. It's right. not even close. Yep. Yeah, all of these other, you know, for me at least, be they Mercari or, you know, Etsy or any of them would be, it's just extra that I wasn't counting on. It's not where I'm trying to make my living. So, yeah. and if I could cross list to those places as easily as I can on Bonanza, I'd be mm -hmm. on all of them, but I'm not at a point where I'm going to pay, you know, a third party software to allow me to do that. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, I kind of did the math when I was trying to list pretty religiously on Mercari and I looked at what I was actually selling there versus what I could make by just listing another item. And during that same amount of time on eBay, it just really didn't make sense for me to spend a lot of effort on Mercari. So, no, which uh, if I ever get suspended on eBay, I'm screwed. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, eBay, I mean, that traffic, I mean, we kind of take them for granted with we kind of piece of Amazon. We think, okay, it's just eBay. But I remember I used to cross list kind of cross list. I used to use Joe Lister. So I used to have all these right. items in Amazon FBA and then they would cross list to eBay. Even with Joe Lister though, there were some times where there were errors, there were issues yeah. because a lot of Amazon FBI, you know, you can't create the pictures a lot of times, you know, right. it's a stock photo and then somebody will buy it on eBay, they'll have an issue with it, they'll want to send it back. Uh, returns were a nightmare. Yep. I stopped that after a while, even though people, you know, swore by it for years. I, I haven't used it in at least two years, I want to say. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if that's even, um, I, I've actually even heard that eBay doesn't like it when they receive a package in an Amazon package. Oh, like I'm sure a, they don't. A box or something like that. Like, uh, but I mean, I, I'm just wondering how they would even know that unless somebody, you know, told on you, like sent a picture to eBay. But, oh, um, yeah, no, I'm sure in, in, in today's internet climate, <laughs> I'm sure people have sent those pictures. Why am I yeah. getting my eBay thing in an Amazon box? What's yeah. up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I know what everyone says. Well, you don't want to be, you know, seen as a drop shipper or something like that. Well, uh, not, I mean, I guess technically I was a drop shipper in the sense that Amazon was the one where the, or their warehouses where the items were located, not my house. So right. I, I don't know how that works. But I mean, no, you're right though. The picture that I had taken of it was, of the better one, nicely mm -hmm. painted and everything. The one I actually, uh, I'm sorry, the picture I had taken was, was of the worst one. It was worse, like it had a chip paint and stuff like that. So the one I sent to them was in much nicer condition. So I got a, as soon as they got it, I got a message back saying, you know what, this isn't what was pictured. Right. And I didn't want to, didn't know what to say because he was right. It wasn't what it was, it was pictured. Yeah. And it was a, you know, a nicer one. And he even says in there, this is much nicer than when I, ordered but i repaint action figures yeah yep so i would like that one and i didn't have anything to say I just, yeah you know what you're right send it back no problem yep. and i th think that would be the the issue with like you say with the amazon fba fulfillment mm -hmm. of that and if you were selling only new goods they're all the same. Yeah. You could get away with it. That would work pretty easily. But when you're selling stuff like we are, that's, you know, old used books or CDs or, you know, the condition and of that specific individual item is so important to yeah. the buyer. A stock photo doesn't tell them anything. I'm always blown away when you go on even to eBay and you got guys selling, you know, used whatever, and they either have the stock photo or no photo at all. And I'm like, I <laughs> Who, who's going to buy that? You can't tell anything. No so. photo at all. That's all. If you could sell stuff with no photo at all, I, I want to meet you because that's all. <laughs> that's, and it's terrible business, but that's, yeah. that's hilarious. You know, I, obviously I do, I do books and you go in and for any, you know, more modern book, the first dozen will be, you know, four and a quarter, four fifty, no description, no nothing, and a blank photo, just a, you know, a picture of a camera or, you know what I mean? The, yeah, you know, the kind yeah. of the stock generic photo. So I, I don't even look at those when I'm doing my price comparisons. You know, if the first one with a photo is double the money, that's where I start thinking about where I'm going to price. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I actually even wonder, like, because we always talk about, you know, eBay prefers white backgrounds because Google prefers them. You know, right. They, 
they load better, they, you know, they, uh, they are listed better and everything like that. But with vintage items and people using either a completely white background or a stock photo, if you can't tell that that item actually is in possession of that person. I've had people ask me before, do you have this item? Right. Yep. You know, you have it now. Can you ship it today? That type of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I always feel like that when I'm, when I know that my competition on a particular item just has the stock photo mm -hmm. that my, you know, four or five dozen photos, whatever it is I put up of that item clearly represents that I have this thing in my hands. I've got a real one and this is what it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> so that as a buyer, if I'm comparing those two things, which one am I going to go with? I'd, I'd rather spend an extra buck or two or five or whatever it is and know what I'm getting versus this stock photo. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think moving forward to, I think we might see a shift from, I mean, I don't know if they're going to shift from asking for us to use white backgrounds for everything. I do, but uh, I, to be honest, for certain items, I think, you know, if the item is pictured correctly, you can use a different color because I know people that actually swear by using just black background or red or whatever. Right. Gives them that perfect contrast as yeah. opposed to white only. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's a preference thing. Uh, well, like you said, I think, I think all of that is to serve the Google gods yeah, and, and you know, yeah. what, what they're looking for in their photo search because it makes it easier for their software to photo match, you know, when you're trying to do a visual search mm -hmm. of something, not having all that extraneous stuff makes it better for them. But does it make that item more sellable for me really as a reseller? And I don't yeah. know necessarily that it does. So I'm not, I don't really get all that hung up on it. I know when I first went to Bonanza, it kicked out like 1200 of my listing because they didn't meet Google's photo requirements. <laughs> uh, so they, they do pay uh, attention to that stuff. Yeah. I mean, and what I always think of now is um, if somebody just, everyone's using their cell phone, the cell phone screen is about yay big and the scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And if everybody has a white background, then you're going to fill in, you're going to kind of fit right in there. And if you're just scrolling, you're looking for something that stands out. Right. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff I sell, I mean, it wouldn't make a difference anyway, but I'm, I'm assuming that if you want to stand out, if you have something slightly different, that might help. Uh, but like you said, though, Bonanza kicking out all those, uh, I mean, yeah. Google right now, they're the, you know, they're everything for eBay listings. So yep. I guess... I still do the white backgrounds, but, uh, well, and like you said on the, on the phone, you know, that, that size of screen, you're looking at that picture. Some of those are so good with that white background that they just look like a stock photo. You really right. can't almost tell that it's even the actual thing, yeah. which I, again, would find as a buyer to be problematic if I'm scrolling through and there's 50 that all look like that. And all of a sudden I stumble across one that's got something a little bit different and it's obvious mm -hmm. that that's a real thing that's the one that, like you said, is going to get my attention. So I mean, so even if it has a little bit of shadow around the side of it or something like that, just something to make it stand out because even with eBay's, uh, the new tool that they have, the filtering, uh, the white background tool, it makes it look very odd a lot of times, especially when I yeah. do like t-shirts and things like that. I don't like, sometimes it works, but I'd say 50% of the time it looks really weird. Yeah. Very I don't know if you've ever used that, uh, but um, it's not something that I recommend just uh, using for every single item. Yeah, um, You can use, uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but there's a couple of apps that do it a lot better than the eBay one does currently. Um, but I can't think of the name. I, I just saw somebody talking about one of them on a Facebook group yesterday, but I can't draw in a blank on the name. Yeah, I think uh, I'm sure that eBay's app is going to get better right now. It just it kind of I don't know if it's a pixel thing or what it is. It just what it picks up on isn't always the best. Right. And, it's like uh, using a knockoff version of Photoshop versus yes. the real thing. It yeah. just there's some jagged edges and some stuff where it just can't quite pick up as yeah. well as the apps that are dedicated specifically to that task. So Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, let me see here. 
And yeah, so we are coming up to the hour mark. So um, how, I mean, if you were to compare, the, were you, um, did you have a big, um, I guess, cyber week, whatever we're calling it last year or? Um, nah. Like or I said, it- I'd only been full time at this a couple of months Okay, when that's it hit last thought. year. So that's why when I went and looked back, for the whatever the week's time span i'm way up compared to last year but i've got three and a half times almost four times the listings and just a lot more traction in my store so it's not really next year to this year will probably be a more fair comparison for me um it, it really it trended pretty much exactly like i thought it would um small independent retailers who are selling more unique items i don't think get the big lift on the whatever you want to call it the cyber five days that's the time for the big the big stores and the the door busters and all the blowout stuff and then once that has worn off that's when people start i I saw an article today that uh something about unique and collectible gifts was one of the most used search terms in the last four or five days according to google so that after all the big weekend and everybody bought their, you know, $500 big screens, now they're looking for the stuff that we've got. And that's my business has tracked exactly like that. Like I said, the weekend, nothing fantastic. And Tuesday through today, just through the roof. So. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if I could just have steady growth throughout the year and, you know, a nice spike would be nice around the holidays. That would be great. I mean, this time last year, I wasn't full time either. I've kind of been forced into it this year. So um, it, it's definitely a lot better than last year. So for me, the same thing. I would have to compare with next year to see yeah. you know, a real growth, to see what the real numbers are. But I can't complain. I mean, things have been good, and they're growing each day incrementally, bit by bit. So that's a good thing. Right. I, I try not to watch like any individual day. I look yeah. at the trend line because <laughs> uh, you always have that. that that's this happened yesterday. What is it? Wednesday. I had literally my single best day ever. And by like five o'clock yesterday, I had done $50 and I was like, what in the <laughs> world? They're just, and then all of a sudden the floodgates opened at like five o'clock. I got 10 orders, like $600 worth of stuff. So I was like, okay, there it is. But eBay's funny that way too. You know, yeah. One day is great. The next day is terrible. Even sometimes from hour to hour, you'll get four or five orders in five minutes. And then it's crickets the rest of the day. It's just, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I'm always thinking about how can I trip that algorithm? Yeah. There'll be days where, you know, I'll, I'll go a couple of days sometimes without listing. I'll be doing this or that and I'll have great sales. And then I'll have days, obviously, like you said, I'll be listing, 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 doing everything. And then crickets. It's, yeah. it's just part of it. You can't look at every day. I, yeah, I try not to do that, even though it's hard not to, but uh, oh, I yeah. try to look at it month over <laughs> month. But, you get on Seller Hub and eBay's putting it right in your face. Yes. You got the little bar graph on there and you know your 90-day number on your phone. It's I mean they they really they're when in I your was, face. Oh, about eBay, <laughs> when they do that, they they have a different number on the cell phone than they yes. do if you go into a PC seller hub. I never understood that. I mean, you're the same company, right? I mean, is there are there right. competing groups here? Like the app guys are competing with like the the web yep. guys or something or that, that was something I noticed very early on because I had pretty minimal sales. So it was really easy to see that yeah. Yeah, that number is way different than this number. And then, you know, you go into the selling reports and run those and they're different yet again. Yeah. Uh, some of them are including tax and some of them don't. And some of them have the shipping on there. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a mess. And uh, it's I, funny, actually, that I was thinking about that yesterday. I was listening to somebody who I think it was Scavenger Life, and they were talking about that too. How you don't like with the reports that we're getting now, they're actually changing, or it seems like they're changing every month because they just brought on Adya and they just managed payments and then the whole thing. Yep. And how next year, most likely, it's going to be different again because um, I guess they charge certain, they used to charge everything at the end of the month, and now they just charge maybe your store fees and if you use FedEx or something like that, and then uh, some of the taxes. Right. So it, it's uh, confusing me too. I, I never yeah. know. I never know what to think of when I look at those numbers. Yeah. I always, I manually do books. I don't rely on eBay's reports. I don't, 
I don't auto import anything. I manually take my sales and plug them into accounting software so that I, I know exactly where it is. And at the end of the year, I'll go back and compare them. And they're usually knock on wood. They're fairly close. Um, but yeah, trying to, trying to run my business based on what eBay's reports are telling me would be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I used to use GoDaddy software. I still use them actually. They're, they're helpful, but even there, there's discrepancies because they'll actually be, there'll be whole days where they just don't report something. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, you're missing. Like, a, you know, it's um, basically you have to reinstall, not reinstall, but resync uh, something like eBay is yeah. out of sync. Amazon's out of sync. So all of those things, I think what you're doing is smart because if you rely on these apps, we're going to, you know, you're going to ask for trouble. Yep. Well, I saw there was another, uh, I know we're running up against time here, but there was another pretty big time reseller who found out the hard way about that because there was some kind of error with PayPal reporting last year Mm. and the sales that were reported to him apparently versus what was actually reported to the government on the 1099 were off by like (laughs) $5,000. Uh, so when you just rely on that number and don't like regularly double check it yourself, you can really get yourself in a jam, not oh, trying yeah. to give anybody accounting advice, but at least keeping track of what's going on. So you've got some idea where you're at is uh, hugely helpful. And I think, I mean, again, we're, yeah, we're not accounts, not giving advice, but I think because of that PayPal split, you're going to see hear more of that type of thing because I'm guessing they're not sharing the same information they did, you know, 18 months ago or whenever they split. So, um, and I don't even know how they did that. It was in the middle of the year, I think too. So, right. Well, and you've got, you know, some sellers that were on for part of the year and off for part of the year. And you've got some sellers who haven't transferred at all yet. And I mean, it's just, it is really chaotic right now. I've, I've done a couple of videos on, you know, how to do, a partial refund on managed payments. And I got people coming on there commenting that that's not how it works because they're still on PayPal. They're not on managed payments. So you've got all this, you're trying to help people and everybody's confused because they can't keep track of which program they're on. (laughs) I think the, like the way you're doing is probably the smartest way. Look at your bank account and what came in and out of your bank account and go by those statements because those are unique to you. Right. Uh, uh, I mean, that's what I would do. I mean, not that I'm giving advice, but uh, that's the that's what I I do that to whenever I prepare anything. I, I try and just look at whatever I have as opposed to relying on an app. Yeah. Um, but yes. But before I forget, because I, I always do this, please let everyone know. I put your YouTube channel link on the screen, and if you could let everyone know about your podcast as well. Yep. The YouTube channel is Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips. I'm uh, 600 and some away from a thousand. So help me out if you're watching this. (laughs) Go subscribe. Uh, And the podcast is available pretty much anywhere you would want to listen to podcasts. Uh, It's Galaxy CDs, Rocks and Flips, a reseller podcast. Yeah. And it is a good, this is why I have Ryan on here. He's got a really, really good uh, podcast and youtube channel and you do was it tuesday or wednesday sorry uh yeah generally i have a wednesday kind of a midweek i'll recap some kind of interesting items that i sold over the week um and then the podcast on the weekend is a little more you know i'll go into reselling news i'll do a full business recap where i talk about my actual total gross and net numbers um so that people can have an idea when i'm talking about what I'm doing. They have some sense of what kind of numbers it is. I'm not just a guy with a picture of a Lamborghini in my garage talking a bunch of smack. <laughs> I actually, I'm giving you the numbers. Um, and then I'll try to cover some, at least what I think is a relative relevant reselling topic or answer questions that people have asked me. So I hope it's helpful. I don't know. <laughs> it is. And I actually like your new, uh, little sound bites and little, uh, editing that you've done in the last couple episodes. Those are kind of cool. Yeah, I'm trying. I, I I think I told you last week, I bought that ATEM mini thing to try to upgrade yeah. my, some of the stuff and my computer actually wasn't strong enough to work with that thing. So I ended that's what my Amazon return was. Okay. Um, so I've found another way to do all that stuff, but I'm trying to jazz them up a little bit. As you get better at that stuff, you start, not to sound whatever, you start to get a little bored with doing the same thing. Gotcha. And you start to grow, you get a little better. And I want to 
put in some graphics and some extra sounds and whatever, just to keep it interesting for me and hopefully for those that are watching as well. So no, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I, I'm, I watch every week. So you guys should check that out. Uh, if you want to check out our, we have a little tiny Facebook group, reseller niche help group on Facebook. If you'd be interested in talking to a few other resellers and of course, this is the reseller niche podcast or on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. But until the next one, I just like to say thank you for stopping by and have a good one. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Reseller Niche Podcast. Show notes and social media links are located at resellerniche.com. Please comment, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.